Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. What an amazing service this is. It's my first time at a revival service. One of our team just texted me and said, how's it going? I said, we're an hour 45 in and the place is cranking and I'm not even preaching yet. Like, this has got to be the best church in Australia. Do you believe that tonight? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Worship team, thank you. Can we honour the worship team? Just done such a wonderful job. Sarah, my wife, and our whole Calvary family send their love. Um, we just so value and appreciate Numa Church. And uh, Calvary started in 1924. Numa started in 1925. And uh, we get to be custodians of deep wells of the things of the Spirit of God in our nation. And we're looking to Numa. We're learning from Numa. We're grateful for your pastors, Pastor Corey and Simone. Every time Pastor Corey comes, my phone lights up if he's preaching in another campus because there's 74 people prophetic words for our team. Then I've got to figure out where to assign them all after the prophetic. He messes the place up in the best kind of way. Don't you love that about Pastor Corey and Simone? And so we honour you. We're grateful for how you've sacrificed to steward the gift of God on your life. And uh, can we honour your pastors, Pastor Corey, your whole leadership team, amazing leadership team. Come on, can we really appreciate them? Show our gratitude. Well, why don't you go ahead and grab your seat and uh, I'm ready to preach tonight. Pray that our hearts are open and uh, we're ready to receive something. Who's ready to receive something from the Word of God tonight? And uh, I wanna tonight really, I guess, break one of my own rules in the sense that uh, I wanna share tonight a message that I've never preached anywhere. And uh, about 10 weeks ago, as I started thinking about this weekend and preparing for this weekend, uh, I really feel that God put a word on my heart uh, for Numa Church and uh, for this evening. And so I just want to be faithful to share that tonight. And really my prayer is that it would add another layer to what God has been building, particularly over these last four months in Numa Church. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you could turn it open or turn it on, or you could just look to the screen uh, to Mark chapter 15 and verse 37. Mark 15 verse 37, I'm a little bit scared about that keyboard. I was preaching somewhere recently and they've got a pulpit that comes out of the stage, at, which sounds good, but when I was preaching, I almost fell down the pulpit hole as I was like, so I get like PTSD with stuff around me. Uh, I wanted tonight share uh, from the thought, don't sew the curtain. Don't sew the curtain. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 says this. Speaking about when Jesus was dying upon the cross, it says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top all the way to the bottom. And when the centurion, a centurion was a Roman soldier. So in other words, when Jesus' executioner who stood facing him saw that in this way, he breathed his last. He said, truly this man was the son of God. 
Uh, The Bible uh, contains four biographical accounts of Jesus' life. Uh, They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They tell many of the same events and yet they tell different angles in the same way that you might watch Channel 10, Channel 7, Channel 9, SBS and get four different angles of the one news story. Some stations might amplify some details where other stations ignore other details. Let's not get into the whole fake news conversation. You can have that with Pastor Shuri in the foyer after the service. Well, in the same way, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John give four different perspectives of the same event. And a significant percentage of these gospel accounts is devoted to telling the details of Jesus' crucifixion and the events directly preceding it. The Bible accounts include details about what Jesus said and what Jesus drank and what Jesus wore during this time. And I've learned that nothing in the Bible is wasted. Don't you love that about the Word of God? And no detail in the Bible is without significance and without meaning for us. All of it has instruction. All of it has something to teach us about who God is and what God has accomplished and what God has for you and I. And Uh, There's this curious detail relating to Jesus' crucifixion, which is included in three out of four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Sorry, Matthew, Mark and Luke, four, and then I give you uh, three, and then I give you four. I went to a public primary school. Matthew, Mark, or maybe I'm just from Queensland. Matthew, Mark and Luke tell us that at the moment of Jesus' death, there was a curtain in the temple of Jerusalem which tore. Three out of four gospel writers include it, but none of them stop to explain it. Wouldn't it be great if they just stopped to explain it? Wouldn't that make life? They just, they just put it in there as if we're all like, oh yeah, of course we know what that means. They just assumed that the readers would understand the significance. But 2,000 years on, and in a completely different culture, we can read over this and completely miss the message that God wants us to know from this detail. Now, to understand it, we need to understand some of the historical context. Is everyone following with me so far tonight? You know how there's some sermons that you can tune out, go to the toilet, make a coffee, come back, and you pretty much get the gist. There's other sermons where you're like, you need to pay attention. Have we got the smart crowd here tonight for the revival? That was so full of ego, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. As you read the Bible, from the very beginning of the Bible, God's purpose and God's passion was to be present with His people. The Bible begins with God creating a garden called Eden and placing humanity inside of that garden. And we have this beautiful picture of God walking with humanity in the cool of the day. In other words, God's desire from the very beginning has not been to be distant. God is not the distant watchmaker who just winds up creation and stands aloof just to see what happens. No, God's not like that. God desires connection. God desires intimacy with His people. And so even after humanity fell into sin and rebellion, and even though we gravitated away from God in our own pride, God still wanted to be present with us. Is anyone here tonight, you're grateful that even when we walked away, He still moved toward us in His grace and in His mercy. And so as we get to the second book of the Bible, it's called Exodus, God instructs a guy called Moses to build a tabernacle. Now you might be in church tonight thinking a tab what? What on earth is a tabernacle? A tabernacle is just a fancy word for tent. All right, we don't use tabernacle 
tackle that much, but you could go to BCF tomorrow and say, I'm going on a summer holiday. I need a fancy tabernacle to take care. It literally just means a tent. God told Moses, I want you to build and create a tent in which you can uh, have my presence dwell. It was like a portable dwelling place or the tent of meeting, it was called. There was three sections to this tent that God told Moses to make. There was the outer courtyard, which I guess is like the foyer space. Then there was a holy place. And then there was this innermost place where God's manifest presence dwelt, which was called the holy of holies or or the most holy place. And inside the most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was like a, a big wooden box covered in gold. And it was a picture of both earth and heaven, humanity and divinity. It was a picture of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who was fully human and yet fully divine. And so it's this beautiful picture of the presence of God. And yet what we see in this Old Testament template is that inside the holy place, you've got the Ark of the Covenant, but then to mediate God's presence from sinful, imperfect people, there was a curtain that separated everyday people from the presence of God. And and this curtain was necessary. This curtain was what separated the unclean from the clean and the unholy from the holy and the unrighteous from the righteous. In fact, as you open the Bible, you see that only one man, the, the, the high priest, in one day of the year, the day of atonement, was able to go into the presence of God and experience the manifest presence of God and make an offering for sin. Well, if you fast forward to about 950 BC, a king comes along called Solomon. He was the son of David. Everyone's still tracking tonight? We're doing a little bit of history and then we're gonna land this thing. In 950 BC, roughly, Solomon, the son of David, makes things a little bit more permanent. He goes from a tabernacle to a tent, but it follows the same kind of template. And the Bible says that when Solomon dedicated the temple, that the presence of God was so manifest, so tangible. It was like Super Bowl Sunday at Numa Church. The presence of God was so strong that the priest couldn't even stand. Such was the weight of the glory of God. Aren't you glad that God doesn't wanna keep Himself from His people? And so the Bible says that Solomon builds this temple, but still there was a curtain that separated the people from God and still only one man entered in and still it was only once a year. Well, then in about 600 BC, Jerusalem gets overtaken by the Babylonians and the Ark of the Covenant disappears. It's not found from that point onwards. And then in about 538 BC, the Jews get released from exile. They come back to Jerusalem. They start to rebuild the temple but, but the Bible says it paled in comparison to the former temple. And then when we fast forward to the rule of Jesus, everyone's still with me, to the lifetime of Jesus, about 20 BC. So before Jesus was born, Herod the Great, who was the occupying Roman governor over the area of Judea and Jerusalem, he wanted to, I guess, curry favour with the local people of Israel. And so he started to restore and to rebuild the temple. And he had spent 46 years rebuilding this temple. Who knows, that's a serious building project. And I've been taking about 46 years to get stuff fixed around my house. I'm going to tell my wife it's biblical. And so it was a long time and they invested money and time and detail and resource into rebuilding the temple. And the temple was elaborate and breathtaking and operational. But Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that even though it was elaborate and amazing to behold and it was a glorious structure, Josephus is honest enough to say, but in the Holy of Holies, there was no Ark of the Covenant. There was no presence of God. And it's a picture of many churches that have elaborate structures and they look good from the outside, but there is no presence 
presence of God in the midst of the temple. And so when Herod rebuilt the temple, he made this curtain. It was a flipping serious curtain. This curtain was 18 metres high and nine metres wide. And yet there was no presence inside of it. But who knows, just because Israel lost their way doesn't mean that God lost His passion to be present with His people. And so the Bible says, who knows, we're we're almost at Christmas time. And what we celebrate at Christmas is the incarnation of God, God coming near to us in flesh. And the Bible says in John 1 and verse 14, that the Word, the eternal second member of the Trinity became flesh and He dwelt. Everyone say the word dwelt. That word dwelt literally means that He spread His tent among us. It literally means the Word became flesh and He tabernacled among us. It's lost on us, but the first hearers would have read this and immediately referenced back to Moses and Solomon and said, whoa, 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 what's happening here? The presence, which was always found in a place, is now found in a person, the person of Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 9 says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Are you following me so far tonight? And so everything that Moses' tabernacle foreshadowed and everything that Solomon's temple pointed to was now present in bodily form. In the person of Jesus, God's presence had arrived. That's why wherever Jesus was, healing began to break out and freedom began to break out. And there was words of knowledge and there was wisdom and all of that. Why? Because in God's presence, all of those things dwell. And so... This is what Jesus failed to, Jesus' contemporaries failed to understand that He wasn't just another good man or another prophetic man or another moral guide, but Jesus was Himself, the presence of God embodied. Jesus said in John 2 verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, what are you talking about? It's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're gonna raise it up in three days? But this, Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. And so Jesus was saying something about his death would change everything about the temple system and how we approach God. And so the gospel writers tell us that when Jesus was crucified for our sin upon the cross, that the curtain in the temple was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. Remember what I said, Matthew, Mark and Luke assumed that you would know. Well, I just caught you up in five minutes. You're welcome. What they assumed you would know, you now know. The Bible says that when that curtain was torn, it was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. Who knows if that curtain was torn from the bottom to the top, then you and I could be forgiven for thinking it was humanity trying to force their way toward a reluctant God. But aren't you grateful it was torn from the top all the way to the bottom because this was the work of God who wanted to be present with His people. In other words, when God tore the temple curtain in half, it was a sovereign work of God. I'm so glad that it doesn't say that the curtain was unhooked and carefully folded and put away in the cupboard because if that had have happened, then we could imagine that it might be put back up again at some point in the future. But God didn't just fold it up and put it away. I love this. God tore that sucker in half. So it was irreparably damaged because it was never meant to be put up again because the need for it was removed. 
Are you catching what I'm saying tonight? And so Jesus' death upon the cross, the Bible teaches us, has given all of us access into the presence of God in a way that no religious ceremony, no offering, no sacrifice, no human effort could ever procure. Who knows the thing that keeps us from approaching God the way we know we ought is a consciousness of our sin. Isn't that true? Pastor Corey stands up and as he lifts his hands. He's got such big biceps. He says, lift your hands. And you're like, okay, Pastor Corey. And, uh, and, 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 and you see so many people lifting your hands, but some of us are like, well, I would, but, but, but you don't understand the things that I've done. And you don't understand the things that I've said. And, and, and trust me, if God, if God knew everything about me, then, then God wouldn't let me. It's our consciousness of yeah. sin that keeps us from God. Who knows the great divider between us and God was never a curtain. The great divider between us and God was always our sin. Who knows, the curtain was just a visible representation of a spiritual reality. Because when we have sin and shame and guilt on our conscience, who knows, sin shuts out prayer and sin shuts out our praise and sin shuts down our spiritual confidence and sin separates us from God. And so when the curtain tore from the top to the bottom, it was also a visible representation of a spiritual reality. That The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 that God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in Jesus we could become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means in, in all of history, every act of pride, every act of greed, every act of lust, every act of anger, every act of murder, every filthy, nasty thought, sin, all of that was lumped upon Jesus. There was an exchange that took place at the cross of Calvary. Jesus took all of our sin so that we could receive by grace all of His righteousness. And so because the obstacle of sin was now removed, who knows there was no need for a physical obstacle either. Do you catch what I'm saying tonight, church? Who knows, on the cross, Jesus took our sin upon Him. On the cross, Jesus bore our shame because of the cross as far as the east is from the west. So far, our sin is removed from us. And so when God looked down and saw that sin had been dealt with, that obstacle was cleared. God said, well, now we can clear the curtain as well because the thing that was keeping man from God has been dealt with and now we can create a way for humanity to enter into the presence of God. That's why Hebrews says, therefore, brothers, because we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is His flesh. You know, I really believe it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus has made a way for you into the presence of God. You don't need to stay at a distance. You don't need to wait back in fear. If sin is removed in the person of Jesus, we can move forward with a full assurance of faith. How many people are grateful for that tonight? But, but here's what I wanna draw your attention to. As I was meditating on this passage a few months ago and reading about it and thinking about it, there's a detail that caught my attention. You would think after such a dramatic event like that, the 18 metre high curtain gets ripped from top to bottom. Who knows, that's called God trying to get your attention. You would think that after an event like that, 
that the temple staff would have been discerning enough to recognise, you know what, there's no more need for sacrifices because Jesus has made the sacrifice. There's no more need for high priest because Jesus has become the high priest. There's no more need for a temple because the presence of God is now in the temple who is Jesus. Guys, we can pack it away. We can close up shop. No need for this anymore. And yet history tells us that after the curtain was torn in this sovereign act of God, the temple in Jerusalem, with its systems, its priesthood, and its sacrifices continued functioning for about 40 more years. Think about that. The the, the temple in Jerusalem continued functioning, business as usual, let's just do what we've always done, until about AD 70, when the Roman army captured Jerusalem and shut down the temple. What does that mean? And I want you to catch this tonight. This means that after God tore the curtain in two from top to bottom, the priests sewed another curtain together and hung the curtain back up and tried to go back to the way that things were. I believe, Numa Church, that when God brings you into something new, I believe, Numa Church, that when God does something sovereignly and pours out His presence, I believe when God opens a door and tears the curtain in half, Numa Church, I believe it's time to decide we will not sew the curtain. You can't go back to how it was. You can't go back to doing church like you did it before. When God brings you into a new place of access into His presence, please don't sew the curtain when God God has made a way for you. Can you say amen tonight? Come on, why don't we give Him praise and honour and worship and glory. I sincerely believe that what God has done in this church over the last four months has ripped something and it's been a divine work of God. It's been a sovereign work of God. It's been an unprecedented work of God. And you and I, the temptation is gonna come to sew the curtain, to go back to how things were. Who knows when God works sovereignly, you can never go back to how things were before. It makes you think, why on earth would you sew the curtain? Why would you do that? Here's a couple of thoughts as we bring this to a close. Number one, you can't sew the the curtain through wrong mindsets. You know, a wrong mindset can cause you to go back and to retreat from the very thing that God has done. Who knows, before the cross, like I said, it was one person, the high priest, once a year on the Day of Atonement in a particular place called the temple who could access the presence of God. And I find that in church, there's many people who still live with a pre-cross mindset and they still think, well, there's only really one person who can access the presence of God and that's gotta be someone on church staff, but that's not me, I'm an accountant. So therefore it must be Pastor Corey, he must be that guy. We think there's one person, we think it's only a once a year kind of thing. Well, can't wait for a revival conference again because then we get to get into the presence of God. And we tend to think that, that it's a particular place, well, it has to happen in Numa Church, on the campus, Who knows, that's an Old Testament mindset. God doesn't want you to sew the curtain and go back to one person once a year in a particular place. No, God wants to say, you know what? Every person in every place at every time. Isn't that what the Bible says in Acts chapter two? God says, I'm gonna pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, God says in the new day, you don't need 
need to go to the temple to experience the presence of God. I'm gonna make you the temple of the presence of God. Didn't Paul say, don't you know you are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in you. Who knows, that's the most incredible claim in history that because of the cross of Jesus, the curtain was torn. You don't need to go to a holy place. God has made you a holy place in which His presence dwells. Come on, how many people are grateful for that tonight? There's a, a young guy in our youth ministry called Jared Stone and uh, goes to a local school uh, in about grade 11. And uh, we started preaching about miracles in our church. And the problem is he actually believed what I was saying. <laughs> so he went to church and in his, uh, he went to school. Thursday lunchtime connect group in his school. He's like, who's sick? I'm gonna pray for the sick. I'm like, sheesh, this guy's going for it. And, and there was a, a young student there who had had a liver disease since she was a kid. In fact, she had been, um, essentially, I wanna make sure I get this right, she had been getting fed via a feeding tube since, since she was four years of age. Well, Jared Stone, is in grade 10, knows a little bit of the Bible and just thinks he can do everything. Don't you love teenage boys? And so he goes, come on, we're gonna pray for you. And so in a high school campus at a lunch hour, he and his buddies lay hands on her. She gets miraculously healed in the high school. <laughs> goes to the doctor, full miracle, all clear. Come on, I want to encourage someone tonight. Don't sew the curtain. Don't go back to a mindset of one place at one time for an elite few people. What if God got a hold of your life? Numa Church, it is the responsibility of the entire congregation of Numa Church to say, we're not going back to an old way. This is not just Corey's thing. I'm not just gonna come and watch the Corey show or the Cherise show or, or any of the other team. No, I'm gonna believe to carry the Spirit of God upon my life in a brand new year as well. Come on, don't sew the curtain. Number two, don't sew the curtain through tradition. People think, well, this is not how we've done things before and we need to go back to what we've always done. Listen, the pull towards what's familiar and what's known and what's comfortable is strong in all of us. That's why I still think that the bands I listen to in grade 12 are the greatest bands that have ever graced the planet. Come on, anyone else with me? Anyone else with me? So some of you still think Neil Diamond is awesome. We've all moved on, but... <laughs> Why? Because we all pull towards what's familiar. We all have a bias toward what we know. Who knows, the old system was not bad. The old system was given by God. It's just that when God does a new thing, you shouldn't go back to patching up the old thing. And if God has opened a way into something new, I wanna tell someone tonight, don't repair the old because you can miss the new thing because you spent 46 years investing into the old thing. Listen, the cost of a new move of God is having a flexible spirit and being willing to change and step into new ways. There's gotta be for this next season in Numa Church, a teachability yeah. and a flexibility of spirit yeah. to embrace the new without demonizing the old. Really Number three, the last uh, third one is this, don't sew the curtain through doubt. Don't sew the, the curtain through doubt. You know, some of us think, well, who am I that I would walk into the presence of God and I couldn't do that because of my sin and because of the things that I've done wrong. Listen, imagine if God had just torn a little hole in the curtain, just a little hole. If God had just torn a little hole in the curtain, we might imagine that those people who have just got a little bit of sin are allowed to get through. But who knows, God tore that temple curtain apart 
heart to make a point that anyone and everyone is welcome into His presence. In fact, that's why Mark in his Gospel says the curtain tore from top to bottom. And then did you see the next line? I made a point to read it. And the first man in was the Roman centurion who said, surely this man is the Son of God. The the the, not the curtain, the curtain temple tears and the first man in is the executioner of God. How amazing is the grace of God. You might have nailed, uh, pierced his hands with nails just minutes earlier. And yet he will tear the curtain open and say, you've got access into my presence. Doesn't the Bible say where our sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. And so you don't need to discount yourself. You don't need to remove yourself. Listen, if God has ripped that curtain open, then big sinners like you and me can access the presence of God. You might say, but Dustin, you don't understand what I've done. And to that, I would say, of course I don't. But you need to understand what Jesus has done. Because when the devil tries to keep you at a distance from the presence of God, the best he can do is hang up a torn curtain to try to keep you from the presence of God. Who knows, nothing can separate you from the love of God once you are in Christ Jesus. Come on, don't let shame hold you back. Don't let guilt hold you back. Confess your sin. Come into the presence of God. Number four is this, don't sow the curtain in despair. Got two more, don't sow the curtain in despair. You know, sometimes many of us, we love God and we believe in God, but we've just prayed for things for so long and not seen a miracle yet. And so we stop entering in. We stop entering in in prayer. We stop entering in in faith. We stop entering in to believe God for miracles. Why? Because we tried it once and it didn't work. And so we, we effectively sew the curtain out of despair and we think, well, I'm just gonna hang back and everything's just gonna be what it is. You know, one of our, um, one of our board members in Calvary, her name's Faye, and uh, she was telling me a story recently of her daughter, Tony, who uh, in 2018 got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had surgery and chemo and miraculously got the all clear. But then in July this year, the cancer came back. And who knows, when it comes back a second time, that can be pretty serious. And uh, this time it was stage four cancer in her lymph nodes, in her lungs and in her groin. And they said, you're gonna need more surgery. You're gonna need six rounds of aggressive chemo. And uh, in September of this year, Faye was at our Calvary conference. In fact, Pastor Corey was in the room and God just touched the room and we're believing God for healing. I think we specifically prayed for people with cancer. And you know, off the back of that conference, after three rounds of chemo, which she had had before conference, God supernaturally healed Tony's body to the point that the oncologist who is not a person of faith in the hospital ward lifted his hands to heaven and declared, it's a miracle. Who knows? It's very easy to get stuck out in despair and think, well, what's the point? Why even enter in again? Why even pray again? Why even believe again? Didn't Jesus say that we should pray and keep on praying? Pray without giving up. Jesus said, if you'll just persist in prayer, you can even get a loaf of bread at midnight. For all the gluten-free people, get whatever you want. But the rest of us, you can get a loaf of bread. Why? If you just keep on persisting in prayer. You know, I believe there's some people here tonight and you feel like, what's the point? It's not even worth it. Can I encourage you? Enter in again. Pray again. Believe 
believe again. Aisha Peters, one of our campus pastors, just over the last few weeks, she's had long COVID. She had long COVID at the start of this year, long COVID again in August, already had an existing heart condition, had spent 27 weeks in bed, could only walk about 100 metres, 200 metres, and then had to go back to bed, just exhausted, fatigued, vomiting, couldn't sleep, couldn't work. And uh, to be honest, I was feeling pretty discouraged. And I'm the pastor. I'm paid to be full of faith. And I was struggling. No one on the front row wanted to amen, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and just, just in November, literally just a few weeks ago, we had a, a campus pastor's retreat. And I said to her husband, hey, Aisha doesn't need to come. Like, I know she's really unwell. He said, no, 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 we, she wants to be there. And so, so she, she came to what she could and really was only able to come for a few hours at a time. They would need to go back in, into bed and rest. And in the middle of that... Um, retreat on the Gold Coast, we just said, come on, we just need to pray and believe God again. Yeah. And uh, it's like we went from meeting mode to prayer mode. And I kid you not, the presence of God just filled the room. I don't cry often, only when Essendon lose, that's uh, fairly often. <laughs> and when you, I'm telling you, the presence of God just hit the place. And uh, Aisha just, like we prayed for a few tears. And then what happened in the next 24 hours, literally after we prayed for her, the next day she ran 13 kilometres celebrated her 30th birthday. That Sunday, did both Sunday services. On the Monday, went back to work, did an eight-hour shift. A few weeks earlier, she tried to do two hours and ended up in bed for two days. And since then, she's been running 50 kilometres a week over the last few weeks. I'm like, give me that anointing. I can't even run 50 kilometres. Who knows, you should never despair if you'll just get back into the presence of God one more time. Who knows what miracles are there? Who knows what breakthrough is there? Don't stay back in despair when God has torn the curtain open. Enter in one more time. Lastly, as the band come back, don't sew the curtain in apathy. Don't sew the curtain in apathy because even though Jesus made a way, who knows if we don't have a desire to enter in, well, the curtain might as well be closed. If we don't have a desire for the presence of God, Corey said earlier, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. And God can do everything that God can do. Hello, friend on the keyboard, you're right there. <laughs> God can do everything that He can do. God will open the curtain, but who knows, God can't force us in. Yeah. It's by faith and it's by hunger that we access what God has for us. And I really feel, Pastor Corey, just to encourage you, to keep on entering in. Yeah. Aaron, as I was studying this passage, Aaron in the Old Testament would enter into the presence of God. And there's a weight that a leader carries and there's a responsibility that a leader carries. But every time Aaron would enter into the presence of God, out of obedience, he would come back out of the most holy place and able to bless the people. And I really sense for yourself and Simone that there's been an entering in and an entering in. And there would be a temptation to say, well, great, the curtain's ripped open, now we're good. Let's just cruise this thing out. But the body of Christ yeah. is blessed. Yeah. Every time you enter into the presence of God, Corey and Simone, every time you enter into the presence of God, Numa Church, there's an anointing on this house. You come out and you bless the body of Christ. Calvary Church is experiencing the overflow of what's on this house. I could point to churches around the nation that are experiencing an overflow. Why? Because when they went into the presence, they always came out with something with which to bless the people. And that's why you gotta fight apathy out of your own spirit. You might say, well, I'm good. I've got enough for me. Come on, it's not just about you. What if God needs you to enter in one more time? 
because there's a word of wisdom to give someone. There's an idea to give someone. There's a healing that needs to get to someone. And so I want to encourage you, Numa Church, come on, don't sew the curtain in 2023. Would you stand to your feet with me? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.